0: Momenta Solutions presents a podcast in its Workplace and Technology series. The series focuses on all things related to how technology is transforming the workplace. Today's topic is BIM and facility management, leveraging technology for the lifecycle. This podcast is sponsored by Archibus Solution Centers Research Triangle and Online FM. Archibus Solution Centers in Research Triangle, ASC-RT, is an implementation arm of Archibus Inc. With extensive experience in the full cycle delivery of integrated workplace management systems, ASC-RT knows how to turn software into solutions. Check them out at ASC-RT.com. The co-sponsor of today's podcast is Online FM. Online deploys world-class IWMS technology to solve your organization's unique challenges. Online is headquartered in Germantown, Tennessee, and you can find out more at OnlineFM.com. I'm your host, David Nicholson, and today's guest is Mark Handy from BSA Life Structures. BSA Life Structures is an architectural and engineering firm headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana. BSA designs facilities that support, enhance, and inspire healing, learning, and discovery. Facilities that are Life Structures. My guest, Mark Handy, is director of the Multidisciplinary Facility Management Practice at BSA Life Structures. He has been with the firm since 1985 and applies this depth of design and project management experience to his focus on facility lifecycle knowledge management. He is an expert in Arquebus, an integrated real estate facilities and infrastructure management solution, allowing Mark to add value to his clients by strategically aligning physical assets to organizational business plans. Let's get started. <music> So today's podcast is BIM and Facility Management, Leveraging Technology for the Life Cycle. With me today is Mark Handy from BSA Life Structures. Hello, Mark. Hello, David. Thanks for joining us. And so just a little bit about BSA Life Structures. BSA Life Structures, uh, is uh, they design facilities that support, enhance, and inspire healing, learning, and discovery. Uh, facilities that are life structures. I believe you guys are located in the uh, Indianapolis area, is that correct? Uh, that's
1: been our home office for a long time. The firm started in Indianapolis. We have uh, several other offices around the country, the country, St. Louis, Austin, Kansas City. Right. So, so we've yeah, we've, we've kind of uh, expanded from the uh, Midwest region out of Indianapolis uh, into other areas.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And so, and you are, uh, your title is Director of Multidisciplinary Facility Management Practice at BSA Life Structures. Uh, and you've been around the firm there, I think, for quite some time, since 1985. And you've been applying your knowledge of design and project management to this, uh, to this particular area, which is facility lifecycle knowledge management. I do know from our previous experience that you're a uh, expert as well in the area of Archibus, which is an IWMS system, integrated workplace management system, and you've been in this industry and at the conferences, uh, working with, uh, working in that arena for quite some time. How has it been for you over all these years? Quite exciting, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one way to put it, I, I guess. Yeah, I've been at BSA for. Uh, over 30 years now. Um, I've, I've really had several different roles. The, the thread that ties them together is the technology for displaying design information, which you know, is how I started. I was the first CAD manager here at BSA with AutoCAD 1.5, I believe, is what we started with when I arrived. So what we've seen is that there's a, a need for people or our group to manage the information after the design and construction is completed. And clients uh, are getting more uh, savvy to that, but uh, they still need help. And that's kind of where we have fit all these years uh, in various capacities of different types of documentation and, and and how do we keep it current, those types of things. so. Right. Yeah, it's been a wild ride, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it it is a it has over the last um several years been an industry that has evolved uh quite rapidly in especially with respect to some of the technologies the especially the one that we're going to talk about today which is um building information modeling. Um so in just getting started on that for the people out there who are ultimately uh listening if you could just, in, in your own words, uh, what is the sort of street definition of BIM these days and how does it apply, apply to the world of facility management?
1: Wow, um, that's a big question. I guess we first started with you know, how to define BIM. Yep. And I still like to think of it as building information management, as the B I and M. Um, maybe it's like CAD was in the old days, and it's a double M at the end that allows us to have modeling with management, uh, like design and drafting was in the old days. But I, I, um, I believe there's a, a strong case and a movement, maybe even a purpose in defining drawings as buildings are designed and documented in terms of how they will be managed down the road after the design is built. I think there's a whole lot more uh, attention to that now because we can do it. It really makes a difference uh, modeling things in in a BIM data set, I'll call it. I I guess another thing I'd like to say about that is that I once heard of Windows becoming a container of uh, defining containers of information. and That was a Microsoft thing, but you know, essentially, the I'm going to speak as BIM uh, right now as Revit, uh, an Autodesk product. You know, basically, it's, it it creates containers of information uh, regarding specific buildings. So I think that's you know what what is BIM these days. What's the word on the street? Whatever. It's definitely the the way to design buildings and get them built no question about it. it. It's pulled together a lot of things we didn't used to have in CAD, FIN, and, and it always simplifies it uh, where there's you know, a container of information rather than a bunch of separate files just in folders that could be named anything. Right. So it, it's a whole way of thinking and of organizing information. So I, I think it's pretty cool, actually.
0: Yes, um, I would agree. And we've had, you know, over the last that evolution of that technology is is very specific of course to a lot of the architectural work that's been taking, you know, that's been taking place over the last few years. And uh, the recent, well, not recent, but the the terminology that, you know, we're we're thinking about as well these days is BIM for FM, which means of course bringing finding a way to take data that resides within, as I understand it, BIM models. You know, there's a plural there that's important because there's more than one model in any one given project. So ultimately, um, bringing all this down, centralizing it into a way to bring it into an IWMS system so that when... Uh, the facility managers and the building operation people take over a a new building or a a new area of buildings, then they have a lot of the information or a lot of the data already at their fingertips, um, which is of course a big change from the days when uh, they would just get uh, manuals and books and uh, placed on their desk. And I I think that one of the ways that we used to, um, or one of the ways that we structured the the value for the facility side was the fact that that is you know you you capture that information at that point uh for the facility and and building owners and so that things like preventive maintenance schedules assets space all of that is in a other system which is accessible to facilities and to operations and others within the organization so that they can get off the ground running. Is that how you would see the BIM for FM definition at least in its current form?
1: Sure, yeah that, that's very accurate. I, I believe there's more information in these uh, models that are being created to design and build something there's more information in the models than the operations people will use you don't need to know how to build it after it's built right so if you can define that type of information and you know restrict to it that that will help from the the house
0: and that gets that, the, that, that, that does get to the sixty-four thousand dollar question which you know is you know one of the things that we talk about or we used to talk about so much you know in these conversations is with the facility asking the facility managers or, or the people um, who are interested in this their question is you know well what data can we get out of you know or what data can we get out of the bim models for our use and the question really is what data do you want to get out data do you need exactly um for your operations because as as we said before and i think we've talked about this in other um times is that uh, you you obviously probably don't need all of the uh, to to know what nail went into some uh, piece of drywall or something like that um, in some you know office room. Whereas you might want to know you know certain assets that are uh, within that building or the spatial you know dimensions of a room and and things like that. So is that how you find it? That there are you know what what specific data points. Do if a facility manager asked you that you know and you said well I, I you know here's some things that might be of interest to you that you can get out of the bim model you know immediately what what do you think those would be
1: sure well i guess first thing to say is that we've always looked at facilities management you know also known as iwms integrated workplace management systems or services depending on who who's selling it i guess uh, but, but it is a bi-directional, it establishes a bidirectional link between drawings. And now the drawings, in a lot of ways, are generated from views within models. But those drawings are linked to the non-graphical data or hopefully evolved information, um, data evolved into information, I guess is the way to say that. So keeping that in mind, you know, the best way we found to, to sort this out is first of all establish, you know, who's going to be using it and is it current staff or is it future staff? Are we do, So the role, uh, defining what roles are going to use this data later, which is in some ways right down in the weeds, you know, early on, but it really matters. Uh, right. In what format are you trying to get the information out of this thing? You call an FM system or a FM data set or your you know your operational systems. That's something else I'm learning is that, that, you know, that there's actually a number of different things that have to be integrated. So I don't know if that I is for integration, building, information integration, management, and modeling, the IIMM. Anyway, sorry, but yeah, so the level of development and the roles, and um, I think this is something that should be talked about at some point, but as an architect that makes a living helping owners document buildings, I get a lot of existing buildings that I have to start from, before we do our new thing to change the function or the, I don't know, whatever, that the you know, mainly the function is what we like it to be. Improve the function, which improves the, the performance. So, and that, I think that's a point, too, is that at some point after this thing is built, you're going to want to tune the performance of it. And if you can answer that question, how will you rate performance, and that will help you understand what information you get out of the model, um, like energy use or how long are the lights on, you know, as a subset of energy use or how, you know, what are the degree days and and those, you know, more technical things that can truly be calculated with a with a model of your building, you know, oriented, in a, you know, a, a geographical location uh, at a time of year, you can actually... Predict what those uh, needs are, and then uh, report performance, so you can truly tune up an existing situation with the right information modeling, and that would include BIM. I would I would say almost without question. Right. Uh, but, but but how detailed it becomes the next question. Right. Uh, and that's the level of development. So and that's that's very well defined you know, in various places, in searches. Uh, AIA, I believe, is who really has defined it legally, I guess is a way to put it. It's just in a scope of work sense. And uh, I think a goal, at, at least in the United States, is for uh, you know, LOD 350, which is a little more than general uh, descriptions and sizes uh, of things in a model. You actually get some brands and some specific models uh in a level three fifty that you don't get in the three hundred. And so that's something to think about. Right. You know, what what things you're gonna maintain. And I've asked this question a lot of times and I, I it, it's hard to get a direct answer back uh <laughs> from clients. You know, what do we need to manage? Well, then they changed the subject. You know, we had joint commission in here recently and they asked for blah, blah, and then we never finished the conversation. You know, it's usually what they got dinged for in the last joint commission or other, you know, HFAP or several regulatory agencies in healthcare, but it comes down to how they are complying with certain regulations. And, you know, different years, they focus on different things. So dampers or doors or, you know, hard talent. I mean, furniture in the hallway, whether it's bolted down or not, is an issue now. So all these things can add to a dim a over time. And I think that's maybe a focus that I should highlight in what we do is that it's a living dynamic, you know, I'll say even breathing Organism, ecosystem, uh, you know, BIM with FM information. Whether it's or you know, BIM for FM or BIM plus FM, or there's really kind of two different things, and one works off of the other, and in basically all situations and you know, different, different ways, I guess. But if you have all the information, it's just a matter of accessing the information you need. (laughs) Right. That's where the roles come in.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, conceptually too, it's helpful to think about the entire process and, you know, just to take one step half back and maybe at a higher level. If you look at the Process from A to Z, you know, if someone's going to want to in- use, leverage the data that comes from a certain, you know, design and construction project, ultimately the stakeholders that are deciding about the parameters of this, including uh, the AEC firms, they need to start this discussion at the very beginning of the project. That would be true, correct?
1: absolutely yeah the sooner people start talking about this and setting the information framework just like a structural framework you have an informational framework and what are the tiers of development as you you know build this pull this thing out of the ground and then you know the refinement of that information into um, you know constructible information and then maintainable asset information when it's all all done and um, brought to life as a building is occupied so yeah the promise is there i think the proof is there uh, I think it's the future, but, you know, I, I think you, you hit on it with the evolution. There are different uses for dim in the life cycle of a facility. If you say that is 30 years, you know, building the last 30 years without, you know, a lot of attention, you know, with good maintenance, I mean, that's kind of a design standard, at least for health care. But we're dealing with a lot of 50- or 60-year-old pieces of buildings that need to be brought up, you know, consistent with, you know, adjacent uh, buildings. So I I think, you know, just just knowing what assets are going to be troublesome over time, and you can get that from a number of sources, uh, and there's actually ratings of how long those assets are meant to last, so you can start to trigger uh, maintenance, procedures and, you know, connect warranty information and just all that stuff a guy really needs to have when something breaks and he gets the call to go fix it, you know, wherever it is. So having that information in a container that you can pull out specifically when you're ready is awesome. I and mean, that's really what we're striving for. And right. you know, however we can make that happen, ever whatever, whatever combination of things... And there, there is a it is a hybrid for every client, I think, or every situation. I mean, there's wide variance in how BIM is created, and you know, there's several different softwares that have their own BIM standards and interface, you know, to to develop models. Mm-hmm. So there is some underlying uniformity also defined by national organizations. You know, COBE, and I, I don't know exactly who office responsible for COBE, but I know NIBS, National Institute of Building Science, I believe. I mean, they, they've done a very good job of, of setting those criteria with you know in, in this interface called Kobe that kind of neutralizes and normalizes uh, data between different applications so there really is a, a path of integration no matter what pieces you assemble uh, on your own particular situation right and you know it, it's going to continue to evolve because whatever is the state of the technology is going to be how that model is Created And that's, you know, one of the issues of, you know, what year did you do this? You know, and the year you set it up is, you know, sometimes several years before it actually gets turned over to the owner. And, you know, already there's been a technology shift uh, or, you know, theoretically an improvement. And usually they are, but, you know, three years it can be night and day different in how the technology works you know, new features that have to be added or, you know, turned on, and you know, populated or whatever. I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the, the BIM has to live on through the entire life cycle. That, that's where I was trying to head there. It's you know, design and construction and initial occupancy is only, you know, 25 to 35 percent of the life cycle of the building that may be generous you know the rest of the time there's just you know a dedicated group of people trying to keep everything running real well right picture scotty on the, the enterprise you know you know you gotta constantly keep things running and 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 uh, maintained and, you know, preventative and predictive kind of maintenance are very critical to the success of of a building. And it all starts with this original information management and modeling.
0: Right. When you think back to the landscape of different software programs that are involved in the design phase, you know, the design and construction phase, it, it occurs to me that one of the important things for an IWMS system to be able to do is have a high degree or high level of interoperability. And and that's why probably something like an open architecture database like Archibus is uh, valuable in, in, in this case, because they do have, Archibus does have, The ability to integrate with uh, a variety of systems uh, using connectors and and other technology uh, extensions so of course what i'm referring to is and and you probably know this more uh, so than i do aside from revit because revit you know is ultimately the um software program that is going to be used to map over the uh building information modeling from a Revit model uh, to uh, an IWMS system. Are there, uh, are there other um, in that process leading up to that, coming from a construction side or a design side? Are there other software programs that are also in play here That would, that may be necessary to integrate with an IWMS at some point, or are they, uh, or or do they uh, currently need to integrate with an IWMS within the design and construction phase?
1: Well, there's a whole variety of add-ons and enhancements and you know, there's you know, another way, a number of ways to refer to them. But yeah, most definitely there's a lot of things that want to connect to the building information management system, uh, or modeling system, you know, the, uh, building automation. Systems and controls, you know, are the first thing to to think of. Even down to, you know, where are cameras located for security to monitor uh, coverage of everything. Well, that's a good thing to have as data and a drawing. And in that case, it'd be a video feed, uh, a whole system of of, uh, screens that a security officer would would manage. as As an example. Being able to turn the building transparent and highlight a particular system like ducts or Mm -hmm. certain piping, you know, there there are some value, there's a lot of value in that uh, when you're actually looking at troubleshooting or assessing, you know, variances and how it should be performing. It'd be nice to show that in some graphical way. A, and then model some different uh, improvement options, you know, more horsepower or less, less horsepower or less fresh air or, you know, what, whatever. I mean, a lot of that's regulated, so if you mm-hmm. can just follow the rules to the, the um, limit, uh, your energy uh, is going to improve, but you have to be able to evaluate that. And having a model is with sensors and you know a real-time kind of uh, situation. You know, to monitor it to, to, in real time and control it is definitely a possibility. And that, that's actually several system that systems that would integrate with a model in some form. Right. I guess this is probably a good place to say that, you know, in the operations end, and you mentioned Archibus, but there are others, uh, other systems, it, you really need to get to a point where you're not continuously accessing the Revit model. I, I believe there's a, it's almost a, it's a deliverable product out of a timeline of, you know, a life of of a model that, you know, the benchmark is a, is a print and you're going to publish prints as often as you need to. I mean, you can set up a system to publish a new print every time a new, uh, or a change is made or something new is added. And then, the actual users of the system, and you know, which includes stakeholders and and uh, you know, people that make decisions, you know, would would be working off of a kind of timestamp uh, report. The report could be a drawing, it could be a graph, it could be a report, it could be just an online monitoring that needs to stay within ranges. But knowing where those The live information is being fed from, and what it's controlling, and as a drawing thing, and then uh, depending what it is, you know, alerts different people or different organizations to address the, you know, the 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 deficiency or the you know out of norm kind of uh, results. Right. So Uh. that's exciting to me to be able to pull all that together, and it's like the building is talking back to you. Right in a good way. I mean, it's like going to the doctor. And you know, what are the symptoms? And the building will tell you in a lot of ways if you, if, you, if it's set up with right. all the capabilities of this information building information. So right, it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, and and that's those are key points, which remind me to you know sort of remind anyone that might be interested in knowing that when we talk about BIM for FM there might be a misconception because I, I i think there is some still some learning curves that need to happen uh within you know at least the united states uh market for the facility side as to what's all involved and you don't need once the data is imported into a, a whatever system you're going to use whatever iwms you're using the uh, stakeholders the facility managers you know and, and the other people in the organization are, are simply taking advantage of that data there's no need to know uh, Revit or anything like that. Um, that was often, I think, sometimes confusing in the embryonic beginnings of, of this. But uh, when, you know, there's really two separate phases of um, of this process. One is deciding what data, you know, needs to be within a, a few models that will ultimately be imported into uh, an IWMS system. And then once that data is in the system, then uh, aside from some You know, just like a CAD, you know, drawing. Really, aside from some monitoring of of those those models from time to time, based on changes inherent to the building, all the other data that's going to be in the IWMs system is going to be manipulated by facility managers using an IWMs system, and and of course that's where you get into. Other integrations within the the organization itself, whether that is other ERP systems or building automation systems or Esri systems and and, and things like that, or or mobility systems. But the handover, so to speak, from design and construction to to I W M S is, of course, one of the most important. You know, that's step one. I guess is the way I look at it. And, and do you find that to be an accurate description? Of-
1: Absolutely. As a guy from Indianapolis and May it's it's where the rubber hits the road, <laughs> and yeah, you're you're better off if the rubber is on the road uh, than upside down or something like that. But yeah, I I think uh, I mean there's there's there are be it's becoming more and more uh, examples of successful results. BIM after construction. I think maybe is a way to start referring to this. You know, we we're finding that the. the Best uh, people are the best organizations to look to apply this. Technology too. There are groups that have big campuses that have multiple buildings. It's not just about one building. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a payback on one building. You need multiple buildings, and then it, you know the rules change if you're dealing with models because you have multiple models. And you know, I think that's where the experience uh, of people that have done this a long time come in. Of you know, how do you deal with that? You know, maybe. Some of the campus buildings are still CAD, some are BIM. And how do you neutralize or normalize that information in a way that it looks consistent year to year to year, to decade to decade over time? And then, you know, as as we get smart and learn more questions to ask, you know, the data is coming along and can give us answers. You know, what areas aren't performing at a level that they should as a facility and that, you know, you, Mr. Facility Guy, can decide what levels you want to test the performance. Um, and, you know, maybe not a facility guy. Maybe it's a corporate, you know, even CEO, CFO, COO. Do we consolidate? Do we spend certain things out? Uh, and over time, those, Criteria change. You need to be able able to ask different questions over time. So I, I like that aspect as well. You you build the data and then you use the data. You build the data as good as you can in design and construction and get accurate as-built information. That can be a challenge. You know, who's responsible to make that happen? And, you know, when a whole group of people that you know their whole goal is to get done with the project and move on to the next one. And last thing they want to do is describe and, you know, draw it all the way they built it exactly. That's something I'm finding. And that's, that's the place I can help as part of a design firm. I can help uh, create those type of drawings. Uh, the record models we call them. So
0: yeah, and and that yeah, brings up I've, a certain point that you were, I think you've touched on, and and I, I wanted to drill down into a little bit deeper, and that is, you have a campus setting, whether it's higher education or whether it's healthcare uh, or a hospital, and you have, ex- you know, you have new design and construction, you know, that's ongoing, and obviously they've decided to take advantage of, you know, the the BIM model, and and they've got this process. That we've just described, you know, from soup to nuts, from the uh, design and construction phase and into the handoff phase. So they're taking advantage of the um, the BIM plus FM or BIM four FM, however you want to describe it. But they have existing buildings and, and I think you spoke about this at one point in your previously um, that they that they have existing buildings and some of them are, you know, and, and they're all different ages. And of course, these other buildings are not in uh, rabbit models. So when, but they want to, but they want to bring everything up to the standard by which they're going to be maintaining the new buildings that they're putting on their campuses. So what are the options from a like? How would you consult them at that point? In, and, and what are the technologies uh, available for them to get those existing buildings uh, that are older and, of course, don't have updated or good CAD drawings in place uh, to the point where everything can be managed sort of uniformly in a more normalized environment.
1: Right. Well, we're trying several things, and it depends, like so many things, it depends of how much detail you want. What will it be used for? I'd say the best option we have in terms of outsourcing some of what we're capable of doing individually, ourselves here, we really believe in the 3D point cloud scanning, the exteriors of buildings, tying that into geographic information. And that's another point we need to talk about probably. But anyway, the the whole idea of 3D point cloud scanning is you get a 3D photo bubble we used to call them i think that was a brand name even but basically you can get google type imagery that's that's a photograph but completely integrated and you know behind that information are true points that are in 3d space that can be manipulated and turned into BIM, where you actually turn you know you know a million dots into one wall which, as you could probably imagine, makes the files a lot smaller. The 3D point clouds are a very big files, so that creates some new things to deal with. But it is so accurate, and it's so interesting as a guy that's been in buildings a long, you know, doing building work a long time. You know, things aren't built exactly as they're drawn, no matter how good the contractor is. And, you know, things sag over time. <laughs> you know, all of us, I guess. Uh, but you know pipes you know, do deflect you know in in between hangers you know long beams actually are designed to flex to some extent so then you're talking enough that could be modeled and um uh, Sometimes those are very good information. That's good information to have, especially in a rehab. If you can open up a ceiling and scan what pieces are going to remain, then you can design the actual routing of new things without conflicts. I mean, that, that's a big thing about BIM is you know, the coordination of doing a design project. It's, it's worth it just for that. And all these other things you've been talking about are byproducts or you know, additional uh, benefits you're going to get if if you if you work it right. I mean, you can have a lot of this information and not use it, and that's uh, that's a terrible waste. There's there's sure is a, an awful lot more to start from with BIM than there ever has been in, in just CAD. Now uh, at the same time time, you know, we, we actually have scanned the BIM is, is a I think, a business line to consider. And, you know, it could be a 3D scan. And that's at least what we want to do on the outside. In terms of the inside, a lot of times we're scanning paper drawings. And then we got to make them all fit together. So depending on the you know, level of development and depending on what's happening, if it's an adjacent building, we only need the outside probably or maybe some critical points where buildings would connect. But you can get by with just the modeling of the exterior of a building and then you know, continue your floor plan management however you have with the intention over time to you know, fill out the model inside uh, after you've scanned it on the outside. So that's that's a direction we're heading for sure as a design firm uh, when we you know refit existing buildings and there's a lot of that, that now I mean there's maybe as much of that as there are new buildings so we've got to have solutions to convert existing structures into a model environment you know container right for so that container of these 3D scans so you know, if you get really far along in this, you scan the inside too, but obviously the inside, there's a lot more setup time and, you know, if the building is finished off, you can't scan a lot of the things you really want to have information on anyway, but you take all the ceiling tiles out, for example, or break open walls, and that's just not feasible, so that takes your level of development down to, you know, more just the only model that we need. And we keep building the model as time goes on, adding detail as we need it and get it. Right. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's 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 the kind of that's the kind of stuff I was interested in, in hearing again, because, you know, I think that that's a question that some of the FM managers out there would have is that, you know, I got this project. I got the approval for it. We're going to do the, and there was some talk a few years ago about, you know, the, what is the value of bringing those, uh, you know, those existing buildings into um, you know, rabbit models and stuff like that, and it sounds like some of the technology that you're describing can, depending on the you know the level of granularity with respect to the data that they're looking for, you can you can help them to normalize their their built environment for you know um, a life cycle management program that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, what I guess this would be a good time to go to the the GIS side of it as well. Sure. I mean, some of the users. Our work as a design firm generally falls within designing construction for the longest period of our engagement, you know, design and construction department, which usually is separate from maintenance. It's also separate from administration. I mean, it may be under one or the other of those or some triangulation of the three of those, but... Anyway, our involvement has been with design and construction. Well, what we're finding is that the real estate people who are, you know, yet again, another subdivision or some sub entity of either administration or real estate, you know, or, or well, I guess design and construction, uh, sometimes they combine real estate and design and construction, but they do very different things. But anyway, the information is just a little bit different on a real estate side. The first thing they want it seems is you know make it look like a Google map. I want to zoom in on something on a map and then when I get there, look at pictures of it. How do we do that? And actually, you know that's pretty easy now with with g i s and you know even with you know the emerging technology of drones, where you know we can photograph things from the air if we need to for a variety of purposes, roof maintenance, or just, you know, who knows what. But once again, on a campus level and how a campus fits into an area, you know, a region or a city or, you know, a transportation line, I mean, a number of things could connect it to other areas. I mean, one of the hospitals we deal with here in Indianapolis has a pneumatic tube that runs uh, actually several miles overall, and it's uh, used to send uh, lab samples to a remote lab uh, building. And it's actually hung on a transportation rail system uh, called a People Mover. It's really a very specialized bus. But it has its own dedicated track, and this pneumatic tube goes along it. So right there, I've got a situation to deal with of a horizontal asset. I think we're starting to refer to it as um, so any kind of infrastructure service. If it's out of a building, is probably going to be at least partially tracked by an existing GIS system to begin with. Surveyors use it. Uh, cities use it to track utilities. So Tying BIM to GIS, I think, is another opportunity. I don't know if that's GIS for FM
0: or <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it gets to the point where you don't you're not sure which acronym to put first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but I think that's a great point. Is that uh, systems like Archibus and, and GIS and BIM. All of these things have the ability now to integrate um, seamlessly and bring data into the life cycle of the building for facility managers and other stakeholders you know, throughout the um, enterprise to take advantage of. And of course, you know, depending on what you want and depending on the level of granularity, the reporting capabilities that come out of these systems today is really um, quite incredible. Uh, from everything I've seen. And, you know, the idea being, um, when you have an IWMS system, you should be able to get the data out that you put into it in in any format that you want from a reporting standpoint. So, uh, I know a lot of the people, the implementers of Archibus do a very good job of that, creating um, these reports. And GIS, BIM and you know the other thing that I think is is important to mention is that the mobility uh, solutions as well uh, yeah. have have really improved to the point where they're an integral part of the uh, facility teams the operational teams and the work teams that fan out across these campuses to um, do things like work orders and other things uh, like that and to take care of the uh, total, uh, you know, sort of infrastructure, if you will, of sure. the um, of the facilities. But I, I think that's that was a very um, good point that you brought up. And so, I mean, I, I think that what we can see at least here is that there is a Um, wide variety of of value there's a there's value from the early onset of capturing that data that is you know historically was not captured from the design and construction phase and also importing it into a system so that you have it as soon as your building is live and then from that point it's really up to you as to how far you want to take the life cycle you know management of your building do you want to bring in the building automation, you know, piece to it? Do you want to bring in GIS? Do you want mobility? You know, what are your, um, is it a real estate, you know, focused type of an application? There's just a lot of questions that, of course, uh, the organization has to answer for itself. But I I think that firms like, you know, yours, BSA Life Structures within, you know, especially within healthcare vertical has been very adept at consulting on on these things uh, over the last few years, because You've put together some, I've seen some good presentations over the years from yourself. So, um, well, thank you. But, um, I, I think that, um, we've hit 60 mark already in terms of, uh, our time. I think that we got a, a lot out and I, um, I appreciate uh, your input here. So what we'll do, um, are, are there any closing uh, remarks that you wanted to add um, before?
1: Yeah, I guess one thing I didn't get to say enough of is that, it, and this is part of what keeps me going, is that it, it's, it's just so important how the imagery that we create you know, ties to the management of the things we have to be responsible for. And and how that is possible now? You know, everything from a photograph to a, a um, rendered, uh, modeled view of something. I think it's just it's just wonderful. I think it's uh, the future is here and now, and you know we can all take advantage of it. Three D printing. You know, There's just a, a whole realm of opportunities that most of us have not really exploited, or, or you know even. Probably considered in this in this business, I guess. It's just that's broadly based too. I mean, there's a lot of different sub businesses of like BIM and FM and scan and hosting and all these things fit together. I think it's it's uh, it's great how it's working now.
0: I would agree. Um, you know, just in the last several years, there's been great, you know, strides and changes within the U.S. market for an appreciation of what can be gained from, you know, a uh, taking advantage of uh, a building information modeling process and also uh, on the other side in terms of lifecycle management Management, which is of course the bulk of what is going to be done throughout the life of the building, but having that baseline of data uh, that you would not normally have is is so important, and, and it really is uh, the future because you know, as you know from an architectural firm, everybody's um, designing today in in these Revit models and these um, and and BIM models, and in general terms, so it's just a matter of from a client to clients, uh, you know, how much do you want to take advantage of this technology? Because there's, it's really, um, there's so much to take advantage of today.
1: Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, it makes me think of the gold rush. You know, uh, there's been some false uh, perceptions, I think, but I think it's starting to to play out that it's in all these different areas. And we're just, learning how that all will work and uh, how we can use it across the board. It's not just designers or contractors anymore. Building owners have to know enough about this to know what to ask.
0: Yeah, and that's a topic all unto itself. <laughs> that's like another sure. It, that's like yeah. a whole other. Uh, you know, is the and I was going to mention that earlier. It's the idea that there is some education that I think facility managers and building owners and and operational people need, to, or real estate people need to kind of get refreshed with in terms of what what is possible in some of these scenarios because they need to be able to ask the right questions and that's right. where that's, for, that's also where the con, that's where the consulting comes in because you know if if they don't have that Immediate knowledge. Then, consultants that are you know doing their job should be able to go in there and say, okay, here's what you need to ask of these different contractors, of these different people who are going to be in the early uh, part of the system, um, so that everybody's on the same page and the um, and the process can go uh, much smoother than if people are not clear on what on what data they want or what data they need uh, for the operation of the building and and what different levels of data there are within a BIM model for example. Right. So yeah. I, I think that's all very important and cuz I've spoken well, to Let's have
1: another conversation in detail into some of these. Sure. <laughs> somehow.
0: Yeah, um, we can have one on the uh on on what the uh, what questions to ask. <laughs> Um, there we go. Because there's a lot. So, well, uh, Mark, I appreciate your uh, time today. Uh, it was a very good discussion, and I um, I learned a lot, as usual, from listening to you. I hope we get to do it again soon sometime.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciate you reaching out to me on this, and uh, obviously like to talk about it. So,
0: anytime. That's great. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. This concludes the podcast. I'd like to thank Mark Handy for participating in today's podcast and both Archibus Solution Center's Research Triangle and Online FM for sponsorship. The Memento Workplace and Technology series focuses on all things related to how technology is transforming the workplace. Until next time.